ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಸೊ ಮೇ ಬಿ ಐ ಶುಡ್ ಕಮ್ ಸ್ಟ್ರೇಟ್ ಟು ದ ಸಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ಸಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ಇಸ್ ಮ್ಯಾನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಿ ಕಾಂಟ್ ಸೀ ಮ್ಯಾನ್ ಇನ್ ಐಸೋಲೇಷನ್ ಬಟ್ ಇನ್ ರಿಲೇಷನ್ ಟು ದ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ಅರೌಂಡ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಒರಿಜಿನ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಪಾಸ್ಟ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಫ್ಯೂಚರ್ so there are two ways of approaching this world including man one which i say is a static kind of psychology and sociology where we fix format things and believe that they would remain just as they are and this has been at least my problem with psychology and i have put it like this maybe i'm writing something on it the unfinished chapter of psychology so is man the end is our understanding of human beings has already culminated in a complete um understanding of all that he is certainly not and the sign is very obvious the sign is shobindo says it very interestingly man is an abnormal seeking his own own normalcy so it is one of the most difficult concepts what is normal with regard to human nature and that is because we have not really found our normalcy in fact our normalcy lies in a supernormalcy that's to put it paradoxically nevertheless there are three terms of our existence of human existence to an extent we see these terms even in the animal life but man begins to become aware of these three terms one of course is the individual we become self aware this is something very interesting maybe animals are also self aware we have no reason to believe they are not there are certain uh patterns in at least higher animals where it seems that they are they have some kind of a rudimentary self awareness but certainly in lower animals it's uh, very difficult to gather even when we look at them that there is something like a self awareness so we become aware of an individual i a kind of individuality if i may say so uh and this self awareness is the first term of our existence the second term of our existence is the collective so no man is an island and we don't live in isolation and there is in us a need to connect with those of our kind or with larger groups of mankind or with humanity as a whole there is this need in us and maybe something still beyond which we'll see as we go by but these two terms of our existence must be completed by a third and without this third term the other two remain incomplete so that's the paradox and the third one is the transcendent so in the language of yoga we use the word individual cosmic and the transcendent so it is the transcendent which comes in and really gives the real sense to the individual and the cosmic but that is something which we are yet to explore and what man has explored so far is largely his surface existence we see from the yogic point of view so when we use the word individuality it is his ego individuality which is largely a formation of uh, uh, his background his place of birth his conditioning through various thoughts and feelings and ways of life customs tradition religion he is born in and all that he inherits there is a whole lot of things we inherit and it shapes our individuality of course we take the struggle the challenge ultimately what we call as an individual is a product 
of genes, circumstances and of course forces of nature which mold us, shape our personality and it has taken aeons for nature to evolve this individuality. It is something precious even though it is something which will be surpassed by something else and yet it has its own place, it has its own meaning, its purpose. It has been a great labor if you look at the past of mankind to just bring out this individuality. It's a gift and it should not be immediately annulled. It's, it has to go further. And similarly, with regard to our collective existence, it started with, based on our material existence, so it started with formation of tribes, school, the family, and etc., etc. Things which were in immediate um, context. And then eventually, its highest efflorescence was the nation soul, which we, of course, spoke about. So, nation serves as a kind of intermediary unit between the individual and the larger context of humanity. So, nation is like the second step wherein the individual begins to discover himself through a larger unity and a larger context. And then the third is, of course, the uh, entire sense of humanity, the entire sense of, you know, as one among many. So, this is uh, basically, so far we have done that and we are still discovering the nation's soul is yet to be discovered. Even the individual has not discovered himself fully. And of course, we don't understand the world existence. So there are many, many aspects of human life which we are not aware of. And this is where Shubindu says that we are entering into a new age where this exploration will begin. Up till now, we have explored outer spaces. But obviously, there comes a limit and a term to this exploration. But in the last hundred years, especially in the previous century, we see a new phenomenon happening. In the first part of... Um, what we can call as the 20th century from 1901 till almost 1920 or 1910 we see suddenly there is an unleashing of new ideas which start in the field of physics in the field of psychology in the field of human biology new ideas begin to take shape ideas which are going to change our existence and then suddenly there is the stooping out of these forces which destroy many things like there is some spoil sport which comes in and starts undoing or using these ideas for very different purposes. So, the flying machine was discovered and along with that the bombers. The atomic energy is discovered and along with that the atom bomb to destroy the world. So, all this process also started. And then right up to 1950, we see that a whole old world is suddenly destroyed. A whole old world order. The social context for many, many reasons and we need not go into that. For example, one of the very interesting fallout of the two great wars was that women got voting rights, not because people became very wise. They suddenly <laughs> realized it is because many men died. So where was the choice? So many women began to get take, take work. They took up work which were not normally given to women. So nature brought out a situation wherein women not only got voting rights, they began to work, they began to take a lead. Uh, and they began to step out from the boundaries of the home, it was a necessity. And so we see a new evolutionary curve started. Along with that, because many of the social, the social conditions changed, much was destroyed. So human beings started groping that who am I, what is this world? They raised questions because the comfort zones had crumbled, 
the comfort zones of religions the comfort zones of you know family and fixed traditions and along with that technological advancement that man began to move freely began to interact so a new process started and that process is where he began to explore the subjective spaces this is something which he had just taken for granted i exist but who am i he assumed that i am what i am and he could define that this is my thought my opinion nobody really bothered even to understand what really even ego individuality is uh, so this is how this process started and we all know that this exploration into subjective spaces is what is called yoga because there are two ways we can uh, try to come in contact with reality one is objectively we look at this material world we look at this material body and we start digging deeper and deeper through the scientific instrument which are designed to study matter and eventually we go a point where we reach we reach a void we don't know what's beyond we just see a dance of energies and sometimes very chaotic and the other approach is where we enter into our own subjective spaces my thoughts my feelings my will my desires things which are not yet objective but they ultimately create objective phenomena called as behavior so psychology also started like that observing human behavior it's very unfortunate this is how it was defined and even when i was doing md psychiatry one of my biggest shock that i received was that psychology is the science of human behavior so it's starting from this end it's not about who we who i am but i study my behavior which is a phenomena so from the phenomena which is apparently tangible i try to deduce or infer so all the rest was an inference based on certain kind of data but who am i remained always unknown and uh, unseen so when these paradigms of fixed identities you know we are all born with certain fixed identities and various when uh, you know it's a baggage we carry um whether a baggage of family or religion or society or tradition uh, so they started breaking down nature broke broke it so we see that in india for example the joint family system crumbled otherwise there was a very strong sense of family identity of an extended family so nature knew that you know people are this become a comfort zone while there are lot of advantages of a joint family system but it began to break down and then you had the nuclear three generation family and now a nuclear family so now people have begun to explore who they really are because these identities began to crumble these surface identities so this is where really speaking a new age began to take shape so in the second half of the previous century when we see we see another interesting thing by 1950 and there is much which is gone and 50 to 60 we see it's an age when there is a kind of confusion and the 60s when people are looking for this new identity looking for new ways of life experimentation and looking for larger or different social context social modes so there is another kind of from 60 a new rhythm begins to take place in nature in 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 the in the world and uh, it's still far from incomplete and this is what shurbindo begins to reveal to us what this new rhythm is and where it's going to lead us and um, uh, how we can participate in it so one of the things that he very beautifully he brings out in the human cycle is this story in one of the upanishad where there is a background the story is that the son brigu asks his father varuna and he says that you know we can put the question either ways who am i or what is reality so he says that you meditate and come back and tell me what is reality so he reflects uh, thankfully it was not like you know 
easy served on platter that you are God and or you are soul or you are this. So he said, you reflect. So he comes back and says, Annam Brahmeti, this matter is real. So he says, okay, good, I don't deny it, but go deeper. So he comes back and says that, well, uh, the prana, the that is real. Pranam Brahmeti, the, the energy, the life energy which moves all things. Uh, life is characterized by movement. So even matter moves, ultimately galaxies, stars, universe is moving. So there is a power which is moving it. So that is the, um, you know, reality. Then he says, think again. So what drives this power? So it comes to the mind. And then beyond the mind, the super mind, the Vikyanam Brahmeti, the idea. And that which drives the idea. And then eventually he says, Anandam Brahmeti. That it is the delight of existence which is unfolding itself. So, human journey at this point stands somewhere. Uh, if you look at it, we were exploring matter. And while exploring matter, we entered into the vital domain. Now, mother speaks about it that science itself entered into the vital domain. So, we started looking for seeds of life. And not only seeds of life, we started wondering can life be created. So, we were looking for that vital domain. Uh, the power, you know, it, it was dealing with science, began to deal with energy, with power. And there we started looking at uh, even in terms of, uh, you know, the prana, that means all the things which are of vital interest. Science itself entered an age where a lot of, I mean, if you look at today's world, there is so much food for desires. I mean, literally, you can endless satisfaction of desire. The life which was running basically centered around uh, matter and material existence. You know, we didn't, I mean, many of us have grown up like that. And sometimes we feel that was a beautiful, simple life. We were like Adam and Eve living in paradise. <laughs> but suddenly, <laughs> the world has exploded, exploded, teeming with desires. And uh, this is the new age. Uh, it started with fashion, every time changing. So, this is the next level in which we have entered. And along with that, we see human individuality is also beginning to change. So now when uh, initially people asked, what is your identity? It was largely material, meaning thereby, I am my father's son. I am this. Now the individuality is what I feel like, what I wish to do. So it has taken a very different kind of subjective mold. So my identity, my actions, my choices do not derive from the family, do not derive from the society. My choices are my own, whatever that my own is. And normally this my own is my wish. I want to do this, it's my freedom and I'm going to do this. Now, there is this newfound freedom which has become a new cult of mankind. Uh, we may call it good or bad, but it is necessary. Because no authentic growth can take place without this freedom. And Shurabindra speaks at, large, at length about it, that a growing inner freedom is the law of human evolution. And he says that it is true that until he recovers the full spiritual freedom, where alone he is free, by spiritual freedom, it means he unites with the divine will, with the ultimate source. Yet, uh, this freedom, though he will have the policeman, though he will have the uh, external control necessary, and yet he has to move towards a growing inner freedom. Now, this whole map, Shirvindu gives a beautiful road map. Now, then beyond it, we see that then comes the third identification. And this is an age when we see war of ideas and ideologies. It's not that they didn't exist, but if I see the Mahabharata war, it was fought, at least Arjuna thought that we are fighting for a kingdom. We are fighting within family. So there were kingdoms which fought with each other. But in this age, the war is taking place at the ideative level. 
so there are people who want to preserve an idea which manifest as a way of life political system way of life culture and everything and there are other ideas so ideas and ideas are clashing because something else has to come which is still into the beyond waiting in the passing this is already begun and we can see that it we have entered into that state of mental subjectivity wherein the mind so people often say that you know uh their own opinion and we are what we think and these ideas have been there earlier but they have, the mass of mankind has not been really influenced by it so but we have begun to assert our own ideas our own way of life my own understanding of life it's not just about my wish but my own understanding of life so we see that there are many many we don't use the word philosophy but there are many new kinds of philosophies which are emerging which are very individualistic based and each has its own validity so this is where we see that we are entering into the stage of mental subjective which also will be a long journey and from where we have to take the next leap which is the real leap without which even a high intellectuality we can reach that point but yet that high intellectuality is yet on unsecure ground it, it's an insecure grounds and it can collapse so shubhendu gives this example that well there have been periods when mankind has tried to climb towards spiritualization as he calls it towards that highest reaches through high intellectuality and there are dangers and the dangers are that well even a high intellectuality those who started a great idea now they may be wonderful in terms of even the great idea but over a period of time this idea uh, is you know it begins to degenerate and those who follow unless there are fresh streams of uh, insight and intuition those who follow tend to enter into more and more confusion as shubhendu says in savitri their sun thoughts fading darkened by ignorant minds and over a period of time only a shell remains so this time this is not uh, what he wants to happen so therefore there is the necessity of the individual and the collectively marching together because why this idea which starts a great movement there have been movements like that in the past and we have spoken about it there was the brotherhood of islam we don't need to say what it has become there was the sense of fraternity which was started in christianity there was the sense of vasudev kutumb started in india and there was of course the sikh scriptures we spoke about the uh, service to the world but what it becomes over a period of time is because it's not yet on secure ground so thus there is a height to which human beings reach and then they relapse and then shubhendu says that why why how we can prevent it something very interesting how we can prevent it so it's like it reaches a point like those trapeze artist or those you know that what is it called trampoline so you will see that you know trampoline though it's a fun thing and people you know do it as an exercise but you constantly um, climb a little higher then you come back and then you climb still higher higher and then you come back then you that momentum with which you are coming back that pushes you still higher so we see this kind of a rock and roll going on in humanity and because of which um uh, when we observe the way the human race has advanced and there is a reason behind it and the reason is that in there was an age when there were few luminous figures and society was the mass of mankind was in the background and this is going to break and that's why we see a strong assertion of individuality this questioning 
you question authority it is the age when authority is gone completely and should be the, the mother says in very very strong words she says you must tell your ego that the age of authority is over and therefore there are new challenges in bringing up children you can't tell them that well because i say so if you tell a child that i am your parent and i am telling you this the child will say okay but i am telling you this so children have already entered that space uh, where they want larger space and they tell their parents that look here uh, i need my space i need my freedom and it's my life my choice i'll do what i want to do things which were unheard of in the previous generations and that has created a very new new situation and this new situation is uh, beginning to throw the seeds of a new kind of education so you know another interesting thing is happening is the age of institutions is over whether we like it or not the fact is <laughs> all institutions are just as it's like a pot in which you plant a sapling but after a certain point the sapling is growing at a tremendous pace that's the story of the you know the the king satyavrat that the fish grows and it needs a bigger bowl and the fish grows and it needs a bigger bowl and finally it goes into the sea from where it has come so it's a very significant story that to discover the promised land we have to reclaim our universality this universality was cramped up in a very small little sense of individuality i am my little ego this ego individuality has to open a door through a subjective corridor we have to pass and eventually touch that key which can help us reclaim our universality and this is having reclaimed the universality then the trans this there in that wonderful story of the first avatar the mats avatar that the fish comes from the sea goes back into the sea growing into many balls and then it takes a select group of mankind towards a new land the promised land so this is what mankind is going through at this point of time on one side we see a lot of destruction the pralaya no pralaya will be there as the mother has said but there will be a large amount of destruction we cannot help it and there would be this humanity which is now beginning to discover its individuality and behind the ego individuality there is a lot of chipping taking place the more we are trying to assert the ego we find it difficult to hold on because there is another kind of pressure which is mounting on the individual individual is trying to break free and in trying to break free from the society it stands opposed to society so it becomes a big challenge and the challenge is how to integrate this individuality with the need for the larger collective unit someone asked me this question today you know is there something wrong with me why because uh, i end up uh, rubbing people on the wrong side and you know uh, they don't like it and i was explaining that yes that's what happens because everybody holds a point of view and an opinion now when you hold a point of view and opinion it is wonderful if you are living alone in the world but the moment you encounter a group life everybody has their opinion and then there comes a problem so this is a new phenomena because earlier your opinion was crushed there was a society which was a larger group so individual was treated like a cell in a body so every cell is its function even today sometimes i read these see these uh, whatsapp spiritual movement you are just a little cell uh, that is true at one level but it is not true at another level each individual has to reclaim its own divinity which means a state of near anarchy so where each individual is completely free within himself and yet 
in that freedom he recovers his true unity it's a very very uh, you know uh, wonderful and far off delightful and a dangerous dream because we have when we go through that phase we may well enter into a state where there could be a premature anarchy an individual who discovers his new freedom in something greater in the infinite in the ancient time they have found a way to manage this so he was a sanyasi you go live outside into the world outside the world you can exercise your new found freedom but don't come back because in the world there is a order this is what we see in the story of shiva and daksh so daksh has built a world by set of rules and regulations in his world everybody must follow the norms he has put in place so sati is his daughter but sati is the divine mother and sati wants to reclaim her individuality in shiva and daksh is no because shiva has dangerous freedom shiva means freedom what he will wear how he will walk what he will do it's something which is beyond all the norms of daksh and he doesn't want to bring him into the yagna and yet the yagna will be incomplete without shiva it's a wonderful story it presages and we suggest a future age where each individual must recover his own fullness and recovering its fullness then he must become part of the whole and then only truly speaking he can become part of the whole so shurvindu speaks of this changes which are going to come which means the old ways of holding society together will break down the age of religions is over convention is over because the age of convention broke down therefore you had the individual because uh, it was necessary conventions become lifeless symbol all that i am sure must was already dealt with so because conventions become lifeless symbols so individual revolts breaks it down the shastra has some defect so the individual question and breaks it down and now he is in search of the shastra within and is search of a new way of life so this is what we see happening today and obviously this search leads an individual into fantastic domains dream worlds imaginations all kinds of vital phenomena we saw the drug culture we, we saw many things which came up as a result but humanity is being led through all this we must have that faith that this is a passage we can't go back to the old way where society and religion decided the norm if we do that then this first term of evolution individual that will be gone and the divine doesn't want it he has taken upon himself the challenge that i want to become the many so each individual must recover his own divinity he cannot do it unless he does it in freedom because if you if it is stifled by all the world around he cannot do it so the first thing we have to recover in terms of reclaiming our freedom and that's where psychology is a great role to play Uh, and its imprint in education in every other field is to recover our own spiritual self and our psychic being so it has become a psychology without the soul that's how i describe it because uh, the word psyche literally means the soul it's a greek word so in psychology even and this is something i'm talking of just 15 years back uh, there was a big conference on spirituality and all these things Uh, you know people now talk about it something nice at least they are talking so i ask that all these things we are talking but can we talk in this academic forum that there is an entity called a soul and there is something known as the divine whom we can discover now this is something which people go into a shell <laughs> it's so i remember the daksh prajapati story you can talk everything but within this frame even spirituality must fit into a frame it's 
Spirituality by its nature breaks the frames. It cannot. You can either be, you know, when we talk about methods, techniques, and nowadays it is entering through back doors of meditation. So meditation has become a technique to give you good health. But that's not spiritual at all. One may be engaged in all kinds of meditation technique, mindful meditation and this meditation, that meditation. And they are nice things. They make us feel good. Feel good factor is important. They give us peace. They make us feel, you know, a bit healthy. It's very nice. But that's not spirituality. Spirituality is to discover the soul. Meaning that why we have to strip ourselves bare of all these surface layers of first the materialistic individuality that I am what my body is and you know the white and black and all, all kinds of uh, racism based on purely externality. But race and tribe have their own truth but that's a different thing altogether. There are groups of mankind which are meant to express something in a collective way and that is the true reason for truth behind race. So now of course we are doing away with racism which is good because the surface racism must go away. But there is a truth of racism. Like for instance when the group of Shurabindu's devotees sit together and they are talking about a new idea and its expression. So they are different. Whether we like it or not this is a different group. And when we meet, we have done away with all the surface identities. We don't meet as Americans or Indians or Russian or German or French. But we meet as those who are seeking for a different and a new kind of life. This cannot be blurred and brought together with other groups which are doing a meditative group which is trying to practice spirituality in another way. That's perfectly fine. But there are different groups of mankind and we have to understand this is a new thing which is beginning. And so there is a lot of uh, right now confusion going on because uh, as I said one thing which is going to happen is that spirituality is going to be liberated from all the trappings in which it has been trapped. Those trappings were important because otherwise man could not conceive of it. So we had conceptions of spirituality. Even today people ask often very odd question. What kind of Vedanta is Shurabindu's Vedanta? Is it same as the Brahman realization of the past? <laughs> I said, can we just come out of these frames? What is Vedanta to us unless we have realized the truth of Brahman? It's a word. We, we use it. We can define the word end of knowledge. We can use the word Brahman. We can describe it. But does it mean anything till I have realized it? And when I realized it, I may well coin my own word. Somebody called it Tao. Somebody called it uh, non-existence. Somebody called it beyond existence and non-existence. It doesn't matter. Somebody called it Sad. The point is to realize it. So now all these trap of words, conceptions, philosophies, systems, religion, from that it is coming out. And Shavindu points out this danger. He says what used to happen is when there was a spiritual impulsion to evolve through these subjective spaces. Very soon it got crystallized. One classic example in front of my eyes is what happened to the Sikh religion. It started as a wonderful high impulse. Shobindu speaks of it as Sikh religion and Vedanta is the last finest flowers of Sanatana Dharma. Before you know it, it uh, lost its way, it faced the challenge of the Britishers. So it's, it, it was really climbing very high and then it crystallized and precipitated into a form and then the form became real the book became real the real experience and the yoga became subordinate so much so that now a whole new 
absurd political system has come out and there is a demand for a Khalistan which is nothing but a you know <laughs> a kind of state which is going to be crushed between if at all between two nuclear states unless divine uses it as a uh, um, dagger to go through pakistan well that's a different story altogether divine can use anything and everything but generally uh, what happens is that you know in religious in religion shubindu says that things tend to again become convention and a symbol so people often ask for instance mother's symbol should be the symbol we see this tendency now you know i i am i am wearing a symbol is something so nice so but people believe you know they start putting stickers in front of the scooter and all kinds of places now this symbol has to be lived with it if we look at the symbol what is this symbol so powerful mother is at the center so uh, so when often i speak about the symbol i say that well if you put the mother at the center and not the ego then you have put at least the central point of the symbol then are four powers moving as freely then the 12 qualities so the symbol is meaningless unless we recreate it inside us so it becomes a convention otherwise so this is where we are heading towards because mankind has a tendency to crystallize it doesn't feel comfortable without crystallizing it and this crystallization is precisely what is to be avoided who will avoid it the individual individual will revolt so there will be individuals who will refuse to follow any convention at the same time they are discoverers they are nomads of that future age when man will no more be mad and he will discover his true status so they are the nomads of the new world and that's why mother said something very interesting uh, she spoke of what is needed for the new creation uh, she was simplifying things that how when we enter this subjective age what is the most important thing the most important thing is what is going on deep inside us and she says that you know when she spoke about the supramental world what it is going to throw away so she said it will throw away hypocrisy nothing else so you will be there will be a transparency what you are inside that will be projected outside this is what we see in today's children who say well i want to make lot of money so there was a time when i can speak about the air force context and there used to be psychological testing to see who is uh, ready and who is not ready so we used to ask why do you want to join the air force So if somebody said oh i want to serve the nation and i would love to die for it then generally it was considered that he is telling a lie the lie score is very high but if he said you know it's a it's it's something which will give me fame i love to you know it's money plus fame there is something which uniform can provide which is not accessible <laughs> and it was like it's probably closer to truth so this is how now in this new age we see that hypocrisy is dying because otherwise spirituality gets trapped into these forms which look very nice very neat and yet they are not the real thing they are nothing but conventions so this is what we see today on one side these scaffoldings are being broken man they have served the purpose on the other side this new creation has started man is exploring his inner state stages steps uh, i mean Uh, inner states dimensions through drugs he is doing it through alternate ways he is doing it even you hear about uh, ways by which you can have the celestial experience by taking a drug most dangerous but why these drugs came into existence was because man wanted to have the experience of the subjective worlds and when he experienced they were generally the vital worlds but what happened the door got opened 
they were unfortunately those who sacrificed became martyrs the drug addicts became martyrs too <laughs> suddenly break the <laughs> neat <laughs> rational world where the senses whatever the senses told us was true when we people came back through lsd and started saying well i can uh, see sound and i can hear light how can this kind of fusion this synthesis take place that's why we see that you know a whole new age understanding of life started this is not the ultimate they were ways and means nature used to open a door and with that came a new education so this new education in the future is going to be centered around the soul it will not try to fit the child into a fixed product which a machinery has brought out so fixed product means the child comes out and he knows good morning sir how are you okay he wears a nice dress and he looks very polished but the heart is unchanged so when mother was asked that many of these children i find they are ill mannered she says yes outwardly you will see that but you have to look inside what is happening and there she gave a very interesting formula and i have seen this in my practice so often when i encounter all kinds of people people whom one would normally condemn pass away because outwardly they don't show show things the way we expect and it's really a horror when people begin to show things which you expect so earlier every student tried to look good so that the teacher says very good now students because there is freedom they say they don't need to look good it doesn't mean they are not good it means they are now on a road to discovering the truth which is going to be far but we have to guide them so the whole education has to shift from fitting the child into a fixed mold and help each child guide his own unique approach towards divinity and then we have to come out of many conventions the idea of success which is linked with material success the jobs and career prospects which is again linked with Uh, how much money you are going to earn and the place you occupy in society we have to disabuse our minds of all that and allow them the freedom to explore their own nature and uh, live according to their own deepest impulsion of truth in them what was called as swadharma mother used the word free progress system which is education guided by the child soul uh, far cry still most of the schools uh, are still very far from this they still teach the old format even schools which have shurbindo's name so i often say this that though we have a school in the name of shurbindo i'm not talking of here but i'm talking of you know places i say but we are teaching hiranyakashyap's gospel so that's what is what is it <laughs> you should teach prahlad's gospel because it's a school of the new age so um, this is what the change which must come in education the same in counseling in therapies in psychology we must understand each individual as unique on his unique journey so this is big problem with me when people ask about what is this system of integral psychology i said if you reduce it to a system you have finished it because once again we'll have a school where integral psychology is taught integral psychology by its nature cannot be taught by books the integral psychologist if i have to use the word the therapist must be someone who has discovered his own soul that is the minimum and then we go back to that guru shishwe who was the guru guru was not somebody who was certified that i have a degree in yoga guru was somebody who had discovered a great truth and the guru guided each one differently when we look at shurbindo yesterday only i was discussing there was a couple of course we know dilip kumar roy and sahanadi 
and they were going through each their own unique difficulty and with each other. <laughs> That's the interesting part. Now, when they write to Shurabindo, what Shurabindo writes to Sahanadi and what he writes to Dilip Kumar Roy. So different, each one, he is not sitting on a moral judgment, trying to sort out the quarrel. But he is guiding each according to the law of his own nature. This is something which has to come in psychology and counselling. For example, when people come with suffering. So it's not about status quo, going back, adjust to the world. That's the way of the ego. But it is to use that suffering as a lever to discover oneself and one's own deeper reality. There is a very beautiful hint of this in mother's prayers and meditation. So when she is, uh, you know, going from the shore, uh, what is that, uh, Geneva, and then she has to sail further. So she says, you know, she writes a prayer that people must have suffered a lot because obviously we can imagine what they must have felt in her presence. We can only imagine. So she says, when I suffered from the suffering of others to those whom we are attached, then what attitude we should take? She said on one side it is puerile and on the other side it is uh, isn't it the expression of a kind of love and unity that exists between human beings? So she gives us a clue. She says every time there is an acute suffering that tears you apart. So use this suffering as a lever or a sword because suffering is something very acute. It concentrates on a point like an abscess. Go deep inside and discover that space of oneness. And I've seen this oneness, this aspiration is so exists in human beings just to be uncovered and that's where she says that if uh, only two things are necessary one is not to cling to the past this is what we, we see happening in people but the other thing is you must have the thirst for perfection thirst for progress she says if these two things are there together first is the thirst and the second is do not cling and she says, if you have these two things together, then even the extravagances of an American youth are a path. So, this is what is the need of modern psychology to uncover. I, am, I don't know, we talk so much and we have so many books written. But I am yet to discover a chapter dedicated in a book of even integral psychology. Only on the soul, on divine. These are the, without these, we will not discover the dream of you know, fraternity, unity, equality, they cannot be discovered. So there is on this side, the individual must disabuse himself or get through these layers of the ego and discover the uh, soul within. And for this, he will be challenged because the moment you undertake this discovery, the danger is that you may discover the vital being and think this is yourself. So very often, of course, Shivindu gives the example of Germany which tried to discover its nation's soul and discovers its vital self. This is what is incidentally happening in many of the nations today. Because the nations also must discover the nation's soul and they are encountering their vital self. But they have to go deeper. This is the first stage. Stage. So, individual also may discover his vital self and think that this is the soul. And that's why many times we, when we hear these words, I am looking for my soulmate. Is she my soulmate? Is he my soulmate? So I asked them, have you discovered your soul, bro? Bro, bro? so, <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I haven't. So how can you think about soulmate? It comes later. Discover your soul. It's very interesting. Now the relations are changing. The other day, a youngster, he was telling me that, you know, how he now talks to uh, 
some of the elders they say when you tell them bro so they suddenly you know are non plus because elders are supposed to be respected you have to use some kind of epithet and mother was so far looking in the ashram context she had removed anything except the name so a 10 year old child can call nalini to we find it so we use the word da and di even this is a concession given to human nature and again we see this is coming up i am so happy when somebody just calls me alok yes that's true why there is a need of an adding an extra dimension to it so this is where we begin to discover enter into we are getting rid of all these molds and we have to discover the true entity and the soul the soul has no caste no religion it formulates itself through various religion expresses itself in terms of you know uh, this nationality that caste this kind of a group mold it can express but in itself it is free and this must be discovered first this inner freedom so shubhendra says this is the first Uh, law and this age will be dedicated to that i feel this century maybe couple of centuries because in the previous century we saw the finest flower of nature's effort was to create the ego individuality and over the next 200 years we are going to see it uh, gradually going layer by layer and this true individuality the soul individuality uh, before people before that people will identify with their desires and say this is me they will identify with their idea and say this is me but they will go still further and discover the true me so these are the people who will become the pioneers so it is going to upset the whole trend like for example in the ashram context where mother really set new benchmarks so how how were people chosen for education in the school they were not chosen based on your degrees you may have a bed and an med it didn't matter so you were chosen on something which she saw the possibility inside so we have to reach that point right now for everything now what she saw was the sudharma there are people who have that sudharma they can be part of education and they can bring out the best in a child they are equipped for that and it means also that in our age there is a need for more space because the second term of the individuality is universality so this is the another part which we see simultaneously happening so human beings in their group life are beginning to find uh, you know different patterns are emerging sometime people get land locked in a group that also is happening and then nature destroys it or the divine destroys it so uh, somebody i heard sometime back very interesting uh, sometime people in passing teach you something very nice so it was uh, i had to ask people are you an ashramite it's not a good question to ask because ashramites can get treatment <laughs> in, in the, as an ashram doctor of course fortunately all this has changed and is changing it must change into a larger context it never was there during mother's time people devotees came from outside and they also joined the playground many people are not perhaps aware now you can't do that you can't participate in the march past you have to take a signature and all that so whatever it is so i asked this man this odd question which i always felt uncomfortable about asking and this man tells me something very interesting he says no i am a motherite so i said oh wow he has discovered a new term he said i love the mother i am a motherite now this is how people are going to begin with you can't close them into any chamber the fish will grow 
and it will outgrow all chambers. So the age of institutions will be over unless they become plastic and wide. So we already have that distance learning, we have the Zoom learning, we have digital schooling. So a whole new world is opening up in the dimension of health. So from material kind of healing, we have to enter into energy healing. It has started just now before giving a talk. I was, I had another webinar 5.30 to 6.30. So I needed to energize myself. And thanks to <laughs> Mira who is here, she gave me Auroville water. And I said, is it something like Auroville here? She said, no, no, it is dynamized Auroville water. And I, I feel the difference. So now you see, <laughs> what is it? You have charged it with energy. These things which we, mankind had discarded hastily. But they will come back in a new way. Earlier to charge a water, you know that Naga Sanyasi cutting through water, through mantra and incantation. Now you can charge it in other ways. Just tell water that I love you, I want you to heal. You are sacred, you are dear. Please heal. And that cup of water, if we give it to an individual, who knows? But you can't do research in all this because there are huge money involved in pharma companies. So, big challenge out there with the... <laughs> uh, but it's possible. The idea, the idea, can it really help? It, it is a new way. At one place when mother was asked that, well, if I feel that I am cured, does it mean that it has already been granted? She says, yes, you can take it like that. Otherwise, this faith will not come. That This faith that I am cured... It is a sign, I will be cured. It is a sign that at another level you have been cured. The very fact that this faith has sprung up. So new forms of dealing with matter and it, it will bring in new dimension of possibility. Imagine, people with, with vital energy can crystallize. They can bilocate themselves. New ways of interchanges, not through the internet. But in their own way, they can communicate long distances. And even now we experience these phenomena. But we don't pay attention because we are living in a straight jacketed sign. Oh, this is not possible. But maybe we'll start discovering it's possible. They'll become more and more frequent. We'll discover our ideas echoed in other minds. So there is a long way humanity has already taken that step. And of course, it'll bring in its dangers because when the powers of the mind begin to control matter, we can imagine what's going to happen. So all this is... Uh, exciting things are in the waiting and eventually who will be the pioneers? Shobindra says the pioneers will be those who will become indifferent to these outer forms and they will focus only on the one thing needful and that thing needful is the spiritual conversion. It doesn't matter what religion, denomination, what language, all these you, sp you speak. And the second thing very interestingly says what will be this new sociology? Right now in our sociology we label people, we fix them in categories. That means we deny evolution. So, somebody is a criminal, is a criminal. One of the first experiences of Shirobindo, not the, the first, but one of the massive experiences which in Alipur jail he says, I saw Vasudev even in the darkened bodies, misused bodies and darkened minds. And he says, these are the people I am lifting up. So, in every criminal, there is, there is this seed of possibility which is hidden, which has taken a very deformed character. I am happy to say that at least in India, in Pondicherry, Shirobindo society is indeed engaged in prison talks and in India there are several places where uh, yoga, the Gita, Vedanta is being taught to the prison inmates and with wonderful results. 
those results are being documented i don't know whether they are being shared or not now it is something which is very interesting which has come up that in prison people go and talk to them and they come back humbled that we thought they are criminals but each has a wonderful story to tell and each has within him uh, something very beautiful so this is new sociology now the old and the new one is continuing right now you still send them to prison but at least you begin to accept that well this prison is not a prison where you are straight jacketing him punishing him you are you know preventing him forcibly by uh, for not committing a crime you are uh, tying handcuffs to him no it's a prison where you are teaching him how to be liberated from his criminal tendencies so it becomes a kind of ashram where he goes for the moment because he has strong tendencies to harm so he is kept there but they should change into not just reformative reformatory but transformative places so this will be the sociology similarly when we look at the other extreme the saint saint is again a queer weird fellow he is only supposed to just bless wear a certain dress and you know say things which sound very holy so now because saints are not going to be like that in fact there won't be any saints there would be superman which <laughs> different story altogether so there again we will see the same tendency where people will not understand and they will be chaos and confusion but eventually they will get integrated into the society and they will help mankind to advance the only work for which these beings will be engaged to discover their spiritual individuality and universality is to engage in the work of the general uplifting of mankind so this idea that somebody is a evolved person and others are only they have to follow this concept is going to go away and shubindra told this in synthesis of yoga even those who are teachers of integral yoga who are they he said he is a child uh, who has gone a little further along uh, you know leading other children he is a brother soul who is helping kindred souls so that way that approach that we have of bringing a mystic aura that's going to go away around these pioneers they will take it and shurbindo himself you see if you look at shurbindo do we put him in a category of guru for me the most beautiful i am talking of relationship with human beings i am not talking of uh, his achievement which are super super i mean <laughs> we cannot speak about it but as a relationship he started this wonderful new relationship of being like a friend you could write to him anything you could say i feel like eating rasgullas what do i do i feel like eating crabs and fishes and he would give a reply equally humorous and with the mother you could play so they set very many new benchmarks why because they didn't want that everybody pales in their presence they could easily if they showed that aspect it would have been very different but they didn't want that so all these are harbingers of the new age a new sociology where we'll recognize that man is essentially a spiritual individual he is essentially divine let's not use the word spiritual individual but divine in his essence and the task of society is to help in unfolding this divinity and in return the task of the individual is not to revolt against society but to fulfill it by expressing himself best his own divinity best through the group life so this way the dream of an individual and collective emancipation will be fulfilled because it's very easy to be iconoclast to destroy uh, revolt and all that is given to some people but we have to new create so they will create new ways and benchmarks for society 
to follow. Right now, it will be considered as odd, but slowly they will become new standards. So, the task of the psychologist will be to discover the divine element behind the person who is struggling and suffering and to bring it out. Not just have a catharsis. For catharsis, we have the eyes. God created eyes. So, often I say there are two ways of catharsis. Just a few minutes more, I'll take. The natural way, they flow through the eyes. The divine way, they vaporize. So, you have to apply the divine heat, Agni. <laughs> so, they vaporize. <laughs> so, that's not the psychiatrist's task. It's not to analyze him and uh, childhood trauma and I'm going to heal. All this is old story. Whatever be the childhood trauma, even that, we see them as steps in a great journey. And I have known people. Everything was a step in that incalculable plan. And the purpose is to reconnect him to this deeper plan, this deeper thread, which is running through his life. So also with health, that we have to discover more and more that health can be, we can be empowered. Instead of being dependent only on the doctor and prescription, but the healer is within us. So also in education, the task of education is to bring out the best, the divinest, the soul within a child and to put it, not just teach him meditation and come in contact with God, but to bring out this soul and help him to express his soul movement. His life should become a rhythm of the soul, a song of the soul, a movement of the soul and not something which conforms to the world. And by doing so, he will best help the world. Because world is helped by individuals. And these individuals who discover their own, make their own deepest discoveries are the ones who will help the world and society to discover its own highest self. They, they who have discovered the Narayana within will discover the Narayana in the world and help it advance further and further. So this is an endless subject. But, uh, well, just a few seats here and there. Please feel free to ask questions. Thank you. Thank you, Alok, uh, for this uh, wonderful presentation of the subjective age uh, arriving. And uh, it was a great joy to hear this. We exactly wanted to hear this element of the psychological element of psychic um, being, being more kind of demanding its place in, in our life and society. And your points are really very, very valuable about uh, imprisonment. For example, prisons in Norway, they changed totally already. Uh, the imprisoned people can walk daytime in the parks, you know, <laughs> and in the evening they come home into their nice room with uh, internet, TV, they have free education <laughs> and so on. So they are really yeah. working on those people who fell off the track. Yeah. And also the, your point on the placebo effect, which is now taken into account as a part of healing, in, interestingly. They are not discarding it as some kind of fake thing. It's, it's really a kind of looking into seriously in the healing system. And um, also the points of uh, Auravillian Ashramite, being Ashramite, being Auravillian mother never did this. Uh, to be our villain, what they did today, to be privileged, you know, to be somewhere on the list. Um, there was a very simple idea to live in our villain, must be a willing servitor of the divine consciousness. 
and nothing else. So, but everything has changed and became a kind of gym kind of club. You have to be admitted there <laughs> by some group of people who will judge whether you fit or not, whether you are good for them or not, which is a very big problem nowadays. And so many more topics which are so relevant. Uh, I'm very happy to hear all of your uh, the ex- exploration of these topics. And there are a few questions here for you. I will, yes, please. Yes. I will read them out that others may hear. Thank you for opening our minds, Dr. Pandey. My question, in today's chaotic world that is bombarded with conflicting information from all sides, where should an individual start on his or her journey of self-exploration without escaping from this world? Wonderful. So where should an individual start in exploring a journey in this chaotic world bombarded with information? So uh, what I always say and uh, use in my practice is connect with your aspiration. So I'll give you just one example to make it clear. So for example, people often say that, you know, I, I'll give the context of let us say Shurabindo. So okay, there is this yoga, there is this other yoga, there is a third yoga and there are various practices and people talk about them, all this, that, all. So then sometime when they ask me, I say, see, I understand each has its own beauty and wonder, but it doesn't fit into what I am aspiring for. My aspiration is for world change. Right from beginning, I found Nirvana, a, I mean, in my humble opinion, I mean, it's something very great. Now I understand you pass through the doors of freedom, though in a different way in Shurabindu's yoga. But, uh, you know, this whole idea of an individual salvation which cuts you from the world is meaningless. So when all these, you know, several gurus talking all of this and this path, that path, I said, tell me, what is the goal? What is the end point? If the goal is individual salvation, that's not what I am looking for. My aspiration is something else. And the only one who could come a little close to it was the Gita. That, okay, the Gita at least teaches you to be in the world and yet be free. So to an extent, I said, yes, this is it. But that's not enough because the world remains what it is. So Shurabindu is there completely. So this is, but somebody else may have a very different thing. So I always say the thread of our life is in our deepest aspiration and this we have to explore sometimes it is covered it comes as flashes sometimes in childhood one may have glimpsed it sometimes uh, you know while in the face of certain circumstances uh, like a prayer it rose from inside sometimes by looking at a landscape like in case of Nishtha that I wish God could enjoy this beauty is what is that Ananda in the material world she wants it at a human level. So it may take different forms and it should take different forms. And that aspiration is the thread. Then the rest follows. Which uh, sea or river or stream of information and jnana, I put it like this, uh, information which will lead me. Information is like a little paper boat which takes me to a bigger <laughs> stream. And then that stream is more of like uh, what we call as tinsels of knowledge. Then we have to change it at another port and enter into the vaster river of wisdom. And the wisdom itself will lead us to the vastest of all its source, which is the divine. So then we can uh, see that which trail I want to follow. So connect with the aspiration. And that is something individual. Each one has to look inside 
and feel for oneself. Thank you. There is another question very clearly explained our way of life in ashram. I get a question from people. How is it for modern rationalist scientific and atheist mind set, mindset in the spiritual transformation? How it is for them? Yeah, yeah, it's very simple. In fact, Shurabindra and the mother themselves said how an atheist uh, or somebody who doesn't believe in anything can still, um, uh, you know, arrive at this transformation because atheism and theism relate to conceptions of God. You don't need a conception of God. You may still have an aspiration. The problem is not with theism and atheism. The problem is if you don't have an aspiration, this is a dangerous state. We may be very religious, atheist, so to say, and yet have no aspiration. We are very happy in our comfort zone. That is a dangerous situation. But if we wish that this world becomes a beautiful place, I am into Shurabindu's yoga whether I like it or not. If I have this aspiration that may I discover the source of all knowledge, true knowledge, true wisdom, even a scientist may be exploring truth. So he's perfectly valid. But of course, we must know, we should not stop at halfway homes. That's the only thing required. If I am looking for truth, I don't, shouldn't stop with material truths and declare all else is not there. No seeker of truth will do that. I must go further. If I am a non-believer in any kind of system, religion, God, perfectly fine. But if I am a seeker, I will not stop at any halfway home. So if we don't stop at any halfway home, and if I am seeking, and now that seeking will take different forms. In the religious minded, the seeking takes the form of a personal God. In the intellectually minded, rational minded, the seeking takes a more impersonal form. The one is seeks for truth. So scientists seek for truth. Only unfortunate thing is they stop at matter. They somehow have this idea. Now they are breaking free from this. The best scientists are breaking free. Not yet the mainstream science, but the best scientists are breaking free from this idea that matter is God. I mean to say that material laws are the final law. Science itself has led us to that point. There are no unchangeable fixed laws. They are patterns of energy. So we have reached that point where science has entered into its own scientific the subjective space of objectivity. It has entered without whether knowing, knowing it or not. It has to handle it. So keep the quest for truth, for love, for light, for freedom for example. Some people say we want freedom. I don't care whether God exists or not. I said fairly fine. But what kind of, let's explore how we can really discover our freedom. How to be truly free. Are we really free? If I am just having certain ideas and opinions and I live by that, am I really free? So, step by step, we have to help ourselves discover. If we don't stop any halfway thing, if our seeking is genuine, doesn't matter, path or no path, we will arrive. We will be picked up for the new creation at some point. Mm, thank you. There is uh, one more question here. Uh, as a holistic therapist following your suggestions here, I wondered if you have suggestions how to phrase this new way with potential clients instead of focus on the suffering. I, this is a good question and I would suggest uh, don't phrase any way because, you know, uh, let it flow from an inner intuition. So 
the therapist in this field must open more and more to his inner intuition wherein he begins to identify some with something deeper in the client not with his pain and sorrow and suffering because that's that's possible through yoga uh, but i have seen that if you become a witness and you let your intuition take hold the words that the person says the suffering that he expresses becomes a tool to enter inside any communication for that matter all communication becomes a bridge and using that bridge like shurbinder and the mother sometimes they would see a picture it becomes a bridge so when it becomes a bridge you the focus is not on what the person is saying but you go deep inside the person using that bridge and then you click with something where the entire journey of the individual and his possible future the path he should take begins to unfold now this is something very intuitive and i have seen so many experiences where it works perfectly and the individuals ask how did you know it now i can't put a system to it because in different people it'll be different things it can't be the standard format so best is not to use any fixed format that this is a new way or something but if we want to put it it is like we are entering into an age of intuition that's what we can say one more thing about the rational so since you know we are talking about the intuition so for example once a you know person belonging to a party which was claimed to be rationalist uh, he brought his son to for treatment and uh, in pondicherry and then he knew that i am a you know devotee of shurbinder and the mother and he told me sir i have heard a lot about you will you please treat him a very rich man very powerful politically connected person so i said okay no problem so he said but sir only one request please don't tell him about god so i said what is the problem sir <laughs> i was thinking he said no no because we are rationalist so i said doesn't matter i'll tell him rationally about god <laughs> I, i didn't know that this is their party agenda so in their party agenda rationalism is equivalent to no god rationalism is equivalent to don't explore anything beyond matter now this is dangerous this is being stuck so there are two kinds of rationality one is reason itself leads us to the doorway of intuition and there is another where rationality shuts us into a formula just like religion shuts us so to be liberated the aspiration comes in i want to go beyond am i satisfied with the neat world that reason has created all its walls all its formats if yes then there is no point to talk about transformation <laughs> so i said okay you stay with your party i'll prescribe the medications <laughs> because that's the only way and then uh, to just add that how much it stifles human beings so one day i used to tell him the boy that i want to see your mother because i i want to know the story so one day the mother came she was so frightened see wife of a very powerful man she was so frightened i said why what is the situation she said sir i want to pray in my house i want to you know offer a mala i can't do that because if i do that my husband will be very angry and shout at me so you can imagine to what absurd extent things can go so i was so touched i said okay you quietly go and sit in the ashram for some time <laughs> i'm sure he won't reach you there <laughs> but this stifles this urge so if you are satisfied within the frames of life that reason and religion gives then obviously we are still in the conventional age we are not ready for the higher and we should not force uh, people so there is no force conversion but we can certainly uh, you know by our life uh, give an example that there is something greater something deeper and at some point of time they may suddenly feel like exploring that what is it and then the door opens yeah it's intuition if you want to put it 
I don't know, intuition defies systems. <laughs> so, by its definition. But you can bring it into system. But the problem of systematizing it, it becomes another religion. And uh, that's what has happened to religions and we should not do it. Yeah, there, that's, um, that's wonderful. Actually, it uh, reminded me how people from Auroville approached the mother and asked her, can you give us some rules and regulations how we could uh, accept <laughs> people to Auroville? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. said, as long as there are no rules and regulations, there is still a hope for Auroville. So there has to be that inner recognition of the truth. Yeah, inner recognition. That's what is important. So thank you very much for this wonderful feast of knowledge and devotion. And uh, we are very happy to have you with us every time. So we continue our journey and uh, meet with you again. Thank you, Alok. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Alok. Thank you so much. Yes. Namaste. Namaste.